Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Stick a Fork in It, the official podcast of Feeding Tampa Bay. My name is Ev Malcolm. I'm the engineer for the show, and I'm here with our two hosts, as ever, Matt Spence and Shannon Hannon-Olivero. And today, our guest on the show is Carrie Eisenbeis, who is the Vice President of Government and Community Relations for BayCare. How are you doing today, Carrie? I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So, Carrie, we're really excited to talk with you because uh, BayCare is such a huge and important part of the Tampa Bay community. And that might actually be a great place to start. You want to tell us a little bit about your organization? Um, BayCare is uh, the largest healthcare provider in Tampa Bay. I think it kind of is the easiest way to explain it. Um, about one out of every three individuals across our four county area, Pinellas, uh, Pasco, Polk, and Hillsborough County, one of one of every three of those individuals in our community receive their, receives their care in a BayCare facility, either a hospital or one of our physician offices, um, you know, any sort of service across our continuum. Um, so we have about 30,000 employees, uh, makes us one of the largest employers in our area. Uh, we're a non-for-profit, just like Feeding Tampa Bay. We're here to serve the needs of the community. Um, BayCare as an entity has been around a couple of decades, but many of our hospitals have been in their communities, some for over 100 years. Um, so we're really uh, a combination of all these different pieces and parts in the healthcare paradigm under one umbrella. And our mission is uh, very similar to yours. We're here to serve the community. And days like today and in the last few months, uh, that mission is tested every hour of the day. No doubt. No doubt. So, you know, it, I'm one of those one out of three who gets my care from BayCare and I've been incredibly pleased. Uh, you know, it's so many good people in your organization. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your role within BayCare and kind of how you, you know, one, what you do and two, how you ended up there. Yeah, I, I've been with BayCare. I just celebrated uh, a few months ago my 10 year anniversary, which is a little difficult to believe and makes me feel a little really old, I guess, but um, that you go work somewhere for 10 years. But um, my, my role has evolved over the years. Um, I came into BayCare um, being more of a, on the health policy side um, and in government. Um, I worked for a member of Congress and I had a background in doing government policy. And um, I had the opportunity to join our children's hospital, St. Joseph's Children's in Tampa, um, to lead their government relations, how they advocate for issues uh, that are important to their patients and their providers. Um, and that role has evolved and morphed over over many years. Um, today, um, I represent and work for the, the entire health system. So uh, we have 15 hospitals and we have many other um, facilities ac across the Bay Care continuum. And so my, my job focuses on, I still lead government relations. So our local state and federal advocacy and it's really rooted on uh, in the needs of our patients and what their struggles are. Um, that's really where our advocacy starts is being their voice um, and leveraging their voice. Um, I also lead our community benefit work um, and that team. Um, that's how we reinvest back into community needs. And that's really the genesis of our relationship with Feeding Tampa Bay and addressing food insecurity. And then I also um, more recently oversee communications for BayCare um, and uh, as well as our grants and research, clinical research. So it's a, a bunch of different teams, um, all really important with great leaders and subsets of those teams. I help provide them guidance um, and just proud to be a part of it. 
That's awesome. It's interesting uh, how advocacy is the door through which you entered because that's kind of the same way I entered the world of social services. And I, I think sometimes people see it as a dirty word, um, you know, kind of equate it with that other dirty word of lobbying. Um, <laughs> but really advocacy is such a critical piece of the puzzle of providing high quality care in your case, or being able to provide the right food in the right way in the right place and time into the community in our case. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think that advocacy role in, in a lot of ways is underappreciated. Yeah, if, if we were doing this virtually, which I know we're doing so many things virtually, and we did a 360 of my, my office here at Baycare, um, on the walls are pictures of our patient advocates that I've worked with over the years. Um, one of them is a, is a little guy named uh, uh, Lakota Lockhart, and um, I have a great picture of him, and it says above it, not your typical lobbyist, um, because the, rea the reality is I'm just a conduit to help um, our incredible patients and their families tell their story and what their struggles are, and then really today, you know, 10 years later with a lot of different areas of responsibility, it's still how I'm rooted. It still comes down to that one individual and their experience, and um, I've just had a lot of really life-changing and inspiring experiences with our patients um, that help me do my work every day. And it's it's a hard time to be in the middle of healthcare, and it's really those individuals that, that keep me keep me going. Yeah, I, I love that perspective because it's very similar to ours. You know, like you said, we have a lot in common, and for us, the most important thing we do each day is put food in somebody's pantry or on somebody's table. You know that. Yeah who we're serving at the end of the day, we might get caught up in all the intricacies of our operations and trucking and programming and all the other things that can sidetrack your day. But at the end of it, it's all about a meal on a table or for you, you know, that positive interaction with a healthcare provider. And it, it's just another reminder how similar we are. And I think it also opens the door to the other part of your work that really is the reason we're having the conversation today. You know, you oversee the community benefits side of things at BayCare, and in that work, we ended up partnering together on a couple of different projects. We'll get into the details later, but what I think is really interesting, and I'd love for you to share with our audience, is how a health system ended up coming into a place where you uh, decided it was important to partner with a food bank where uh, your mission kind of collides with ours. I'd, I'd love to hear the, the evolution that, that happened on your team side. Yeah, it's a great question. And um, I think our, our partnership is overdue. It's fairly new, but it's, it's really overdue. And I think there's been a broad awakening across healthcare organizations nationally and, and certainly within Baycare that, um, you know, addressing someone's health needs is not as one-dimensional as as when they just walk into our doors in our hospital, our emergency room, it is um, it is much more three dimensional than that. And as a non for profit healthcare organization, Baycare, as all other non for profits are required to do, um, conducts a community health needs assessment or CHNA, and we do that every three years. It's it's a requirement, and it's something we've embraced long before it was a requirement. And it, it requires us to really uh, do a deep dive 
on the health needs in the community of, of which we serve in our, you know, sort of immediate geography. So we, we look at through both primary and secondary data, um, what health conditions are present in Tampa Bay. Um, we look at um, that we look at that from things like, you know, the Department of Health statistics and the CDC and all sorts of other good resources. But we also look at that from our own data to try to understand, you know, based on zip codes, you know, what are the communities where individuals are being um, admitted to the hospital for heart disease or for obesity related causes? And, and so every three years, we really, really dive into that to try to understand the root causes of healthcare utilization and what's contributing to that. And through that, you started hearing this vernacular, it's called uh, social determinants of health. And these are those drivers that are really outside of our facilities that contribute to people getting sick or um, having difficulty accessing care, which then allows their conditions to compound and get worse. Um, and so we've been looking at these. Um, we do this through, um, as I mentioned, sort of you know research, but we also do it by engaging the community. And through yep. the leadership, oh, go ahead, Matt. I wanted to jump in before uh, yeah. we pass up this part because I want to make sure you highlight what an amazing job you guys did with the CHNA process this time and how it was very different from what had ever been done before in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, thanks for um, help interjecting my, my monologue there. I, that's kind of where I was going, so we're on the same page. I, Baycare in the last few years has really invested a lot into making sure our community benefit work is as meaningful as possible. And the woman who leads that team, Lisa Bell, has just done a phenomenal job of making sure that when we're reaching out to the community and understanding those needs, that we're doing it in the most comprehensive way possible. So this last year, um, she coordinated with all the other health systems in our area, all the non-for-profit health systems, and each of the departments of health across our four counties, which is no small undertaking, um, got everybody around the table, built a coalition and really figured out how do we as a community, a region, uh, do this assessment. And that resulted in a lot of great um, information, but it also, it, it was very grassroots. So over 20,000 surveys were conducted in multiple languages, um, really asking, you know, asking us, you know, what are our community needs? What are our, what are the challenges we're facing? So we got input from 20,000 people, all maps back to demographic data. So we were really touching every neighborhood. We had everything sort of proportionally mapped out. So we were really getting, we really aimed to get all voices. And through that process, Matt, food insecurity came out as one of the top three health needs. That's the punchline, food insecurity. You ask the right questions and you ask people, are you worried about food? Have you ever been worried that you might run out of food? And and really what, unfortunately, what we heard back was, you know, one out of three people said that that was something that was prevalent in their lives. They were worried about their next meal or they were, or they had actually run out of food. Um, and so that led us to the point where we said, we've got to do something about this. We need to make this part of our, our plan of how we reinvest back into the community and and as you know, a lot of that is about leveraging partnerships with organizations that are focused on things like food insecurity. Yeah, and uh, you know, I had the opportunity to participate in the CHNA process and was just so impressed with the work that your team did working across four different counties with 
an incredible variety of partners with a variety of perspectives, uh, you were able to pull that all together and come up with not just a document, but a process and a uh, data set that is incredibly valuable. And, and like you said, food insecurity really floated to the top in a way that even surprised us because yeah. our data, the information that we get from Feeding America, uh, it looks like it actually undersold the depth to which our community struggles with food. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we would naturally be accused of doing the opposite and overselling the need. So for, for someone else to come in and do that level of really important statistically valid work and say, actually, one out of every three people in this region is struggling with food insecurity. And it, it just, it, it gave us, you know, it, it strengthened our sense of purpose. It really pushed us forward to, uh, to build this partnership that we've been building. And it also, I think in a lot of ways, clarified for us the deep tie between our outputs, which is food into the community, and the outcome that really matters to us, which is health of the community, right? Mm -hmm. Because food is just a thing. Food doesn't have a purpose other than to create health within an individual. And so we've really, in some ways, reframed how we talk about our own work mm -hmm. because the outcomes we seek aren't food on a table. The outcomes we seek are health and capability. And so that has to be done in partnership with great organizations like yours. This podcast was made possible by the innovative thinking and the funding of Feeding America, a nationwide network of more than 200 food banks that feed more than 46 million people through food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, and other community-based agencies. So we're all, you know, we're all expanding our awareness. And when you start looking at the contributing factors for people that, that have heart disease or, um, diabetes or I mean there's just everything there there's a food component and so now that we've identified this you know we have to we have to work at it in a very targeted way and I think that's what some of our initiatives are beginning to do yeah absolutely and uh you know we're before we dig into some of the specifics about how we're working together um we have a little tradition here on our podcast that we like to talk about food uh, kind of outside of the social services context, outside of the healthcare context. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had very long conversations around best barbecue places. We've had, <laughs> um, you know, what's your favorite meal to prepare? So uh, share with us a little bit about, you know, what it is that you love about food or maybe your favorite place in the Tampa Bay area to eat. Yeah, so this is, I love this conversation because I'm, I would consider myself a foodie. I, 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 you know, I exercise a lot. I'm got a lot of exercise related hobbies, but they all kind of go back to just, you know, eating, um, you know, <laughs> sacrifice, reward, sacrifice, reward. Um, I love, you know, there's nothing better than having a great meal after you've had a really active day. So I, to me, they all, that goes hand in hand. Um, you know, my, my husband and I met, he really wooed me with his cooking and, and, you know, our whole relationship started around food. Um, about a year into our new marriage when we were living in DC, we decided to um, do a complete change and we, we decided to move to Tampa, which is you know where I live now, um, to open a bakery. Wow. 
Wow. And so um, I have been on the other end of the food, not just the consuming side and talking about it, but making it. Um, so I, my husband and I um, opened a made from scratch bakery in South Tampa in uh, 2002. And we ran that for several years. We ended up selling it, but um, we made everything from scratch. We ground our wheat. We, we hand kneaded all of our loaves of bread. It was really an incredible experience. But um, when I think about, um, I can't really, that, that experience shaped my perspective on food and, and restaurants and everything. It will never, I will never be able to separate those experiences. It sounds yeah, like uh, dinner at your place is probably still pretty fancy these days then, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what was your favorite thing to make when you were when you were running the bakery? What was your, your favorite? Was it a pastry? Was it a bread? Yeah, so we we um my making a loaf of bread from scratch is extremely time consuming. Um favorite might be a stretch. I mean it was it was a, a work of a labor of love. Um but we incredible pride in having the highest quality ingredients, uh, making something from scratch with your own hands, and then seeing someone consume that and the gratification they have for such a high quality product. Um, that whole experience was extremely rewarding. It wasn't exhausting. Um, but one of the things that I love the most about our bakery and that we've adapted a recipe at our own home that continues to live on is uh, a recipe for oatmeal. They're whole wheat, so you know they're healthy, right? But, Oatmeal, oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. And we, they've now been dubbed mommy cookies because they're like, I get first dibs at them in our family. Um, so they've just become mommy cookies. So that is what I enjoyed making the most and consuming the most. I love it. That's it. Yeah, we learned at my house that we just cannot keep stuff like that in the house. <laughs> we will eat it. We will, you know, if we buy it regularly, we will consume it very regularly. And that's, yeah. Just, we we are working on as a family, so I can imagine <laughs> someone with your skills in the kitchen having homemade, excellent, top you know, fresh food like that around. Got to be uh, quite tempting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How um how have you and your family kind of been uh, coping with you know with the pandemic and quarantine and all of that? I mean, obviously you're at work and like. Uh, is is your uh, is anybody else like staying home, or are you guys kind of uh, you know back out and and getting active again? Yeah, uh, I, so I can't relate to the people who are at home and have a lot of time on their hands and are taking up new hobbies. Like I I can't relate at all to that because um, that's not that's been kind of the opposite of my experience. <laughs> so my kids are a little bit older; they're thirteen and fifteen, which has been a real blessing right now because they are fairly independent and I really empathize with families that are managing small kids and challenges with childcare. I think that's it's just, it's just a huge balancing act. So um, my daughter, Emma, my son, Simon have been at home, um, you know, social distancing, spending way too much time on social media and Xbox, trying to do e-learning. Um, I do my very best leaving them a list of, things that they should accomplish during the day and they laugh that off and do a couple of them to humor me. Um, and my husband uh, works for um, a local school and church. And so they've been pivoting just like the school district 
And so we both as, as parents have been really consumed um, with managing COVID in our professional capacities. So, you know, it's, it's been, it's been challenging, um, but I, I am thankful that I've got two independent kids and um, you know, there's been a lot of sacrifices we've all made over the last couple months. And my family, I feel like has made quite a few for me. We've had to I've just not been available to do a lot of things because we've been in this emergency state. And so it's, it's been great for them to be so supportive, but also to understand um, kind of some of the responsibilities we have as a healthcare organization that nobody anticipated. Yeah, having, you know, the, the burden that you guys have been carrying, being on the front lines of this and, the, uh, you know, just the courage that it takes for so many of your colleagues to come into work every day put on three layers of protective equipment and walk into the worst of the worst. Yeah. I, I even, I, I can't put words to how much I admire it. You know, we know so many folks who work at BayCare, work in your hospitals, and uh, I'm just continually amazed by their willingness to go right back in and, and fight that fight. Yeah. Yeah. I, every time I maybe feel a little tired or some of my teams, I just, I think about our frontline clinical team members that, um, I mean, really haven't had a break for months and their experience is much more visceral. Um, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of great things that are happening, a lot of innovation, but the reality is we're, we're battling, uh, you know, a pandemic. And so it, there's a lot of heartache and a lot of loss, um, so we will get through it, but it's, it's um, I think if you had told me in March, we would still be at the height of, we would be at the height of this in the middle of July. I would have told you, I just can't, I can't comprehend that right now, but here we are. We're comprehending it every day and it, it, there's a new chapter every day. I, uh, when, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that take is interesting, you know, because uh, we've experienced kind of the same thing in feeding Tampa Bay where we didn't think we didn't know how much we could ramp up until we absolutely had to. And, you know, yeah. we, we were always trying to expand programs and, and our reach and everything. But then, you know, uh, when we started doing like our mega pantries and stuff earlier in the year, we were like, OK, you know, this will probably go for a month or two. And, and here we are five months later with more mega pantries than we ever imagined possible. And, you know, it's uh, it's kind of incredible you know when you are sort of you know first responders like our two industries are how much you end up you know having to ramp up without even realizing what's possible yeah and it's i mean it's a really amazing testament to some of the organizations in our community community including feeding tampa bay that have just embraced the challenge and dug deep and came up with a new model worked on the fly i mean it's, I'm so impressed at the work that Feeding Tampa Bay has done over the last few months. The, the need for food has just been exponential. Um, so thank you for, for doing that. Thank you for all your team members that have just made their own sacrifices uh, to pull it off. Um, I, you know, I think about we all kind of worked on the fly and, and didn't necessarily see this coming. Um, you know, BayCare's been very involved in providing community drive-through COVID testing. And, you know, in the course of a week, we realized this was a community need that people needed to be able to get COVID testing and the most efficient um, way of delivering it and safe way of delivering it was really that drive-through model that we began to see. And so over the course of a week, you know, our team that, our ambulatory team put together this model, first, first drive-through testing site in Tampa Bay, 
I mean, we didn't have all, have it all figured out, but we were going to give it a shot and figure it out this whole process to do it. And and then we've seen that grow and evolve over our region. But I mean, if you if we had thought in February that we were going to be doing drive through testing, I mean, that wasn't something we've ever done, right? <laughs> that wasn't even we weren't building on anything we'd ever done before in a parking lot. Um, so we've all been tested, and I think despite some of the frustrations and our disappointments and just the loss that many of us have experienced um, or witnessed, there is amazing fortitude, resilience, and innovation that we've seen in our community to respond in so many creative ways. Um, I hope when we look back, and I certainly hope we can look back sooner rather than later, we will remember we will remember that. Um, because whether it's Feeding Tampa Bay or Baycare or many of the other organizations, um, our community has really risen to the occasion. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, you know, the the fun thing is that we're rising together, right? We're walking arm in arm through this. And actually, it makes me think about the first project that is going to happen here in the next week, where we will start partnering with you on patients that you've served who are recovering, but still kind of in precarious situations. And we're going to make sure that they have meals in home and mm -hmm. they're taken care of. And, uh, you know, I don't think we would have been able to create the project that we will launch without the fact that we had already started talking to one another before COVID, that we'd already kind of had this in mind that we wanted to start looking at home delivery and what that looked like and how we would share patients without compromising HIPAA data and all that kind of stuff. And right. so, um, you know, I, I'm curious how that rolled out on your end where you know you started to see patients going home yeah. but knew that there were still significant it's issues. it is um it is a current day issue it is what you're describing is sort of the height of where we are right now as a healthcare organization uh, we have more covid positive or what we call persons under investigation across our 15 hospitals than at any point during this uh five month experience we're at you know we're at a height and as we um, look at managing that, and as we're as patients are available to be discharged home, many of them uh, qualify or need services in their home, which we would call home health services. They need to be monitored. They need someone to check in on them. They need oxygen. They need specific services, but that can be delivered in the in the you know the sanctuary of their own home. And Baycare has a, a really large home care. Um, entity. It's the largest, one of the largest in the country, actually. It spans more than Tampa Bay. It spans most of our state of Florida. But um, as you mentioned, Matt, because of our partnership and really getting to know each other and how we can work together, we were able to identify that there's um, some individuals that are at home now that are still COVID positive um, or they're, they think they may have been exposed that need, they need some extra help. And so we've been able to identify um, our home care team who those patients might be that would also be in need of some meal delivery. Um, and, and so I think we're gonna start this fairly shortly where we're gonna focus in Pinellas County. Baycare will help identify the patients, um, those that are in need, and you through a couple of other organizations are gonna help actually deliver those meals in a touchless way. Um, so, the, so those um, patients can get healthy, nutritious meals a couple times a day when they need it most. Florida Blue's mission is to help people and communities achieve better health. 
In partnership with Feeding Tampa Bay, their collective goal is a hunger-free Tampa Bay by 2025. How will we do that? By ensuring that all our neighbors have access to fresh, nutritious food that is essential to a healthy and capable lifestyle. We invite you to join the movement. Visit hungerfree2025.com. We've had uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, their uh, caterer, Delaware North, has been producing meals for us alongside our Trinity Cafe staff. Um, and so now we're producing around 20,000 meals every single week that are frozen shelf, not shelf stable, but frozen, ready to eat. Um, and we will take those, bring a stack to uh, your patients and make sure that they have the food that they need in order to uh, nurse themselves back to health and with obviously with the support of your team. So uh, it's just one of the ways in which we work together. We're really excited about getting it going. And then the other project that launches this week is a project we've had, uh, you know, kind of in the in the works for I don't know a year now I think, mm -hmm. and we are really really excited because that data that showed um, that food insecurity is such a challenging issue also showed I think on your end that food insecure patients are incredibly expensive, hard to treat, and have significantly worse outcomes than non-food insecure patients in a lot of cases. And so building in that nutritional support and, and looking at us to partner with you on that uh, has been a, a goal of ours for a year now. And, and we are literally, we delivered our first uh, set of bags of food to your uh, warehouse last week, and we are getting ready to get that program up and running in Winter Haven. Yeah, we're excited because, you know, you know, Talk is cheap, but action's more valuable. We want to actually do stuff, right? And so we've been talking about how to set up this um, program for our, our, our hospital patients and how to get these bags of nutritious food to them. And um, and so we are we had a couple delays. You know, our hospitals are a little busy <laughs> right now, as you can imagine. Um, and so adding a new program at our original timing um, didn't make didn't make sense initially, but I think we're on track for, for next month to roll out, as you mentioned, in Polk County, these, um, these providing several days of food to um, at-risk patients that meet certain clinical criteria. We're excited about it. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's like a big puzzle piece and getting the food bags that you all put together and we're storing them in our warehouse up in Temple Terrace, and then they'll get distributed to the hospitals. Our teams on the ground will uh, screen uh, eligible patients to make sure we're getting the, the food bags to those that need them most. Um, it's We're really excited to kick it off. Um, I think, as you mentioned, we're looking at patients that have had multiple admissions to the hospital and they or they have a chronic disease. A lot of, I think a lot of the patients that will benefit have a chronic heart disease. Um, and so, we're excited to really have the rubber hit the road in the hospital with this program. Uh, Polk County has some of the highest food insecure individuals in our state. They're like in the top 15 in the country, which is just so um, it's, it, it's a sad state, but we want to start chipping away at it. So we thought Polk County was the best place for us to launch this hospital based food insecurity project because of the higher density of food insecure individuals. Um, but our goal is really we will roll it out. We'll learn a new, pro you know, this will be a new process, a new project in the hospital. But uh, once we get the all the um, 
the get everything figured out in Polk County, then our plan is to roll it out in all of our hospitals across Tampa Bay. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see it come to fruition. And uh, I have to say my eyes were wide open one day when we had one of our planning meetings and you invited us over to your headquarters over in Clearwater and we sat down and kind of mapped out the process. And, you know, from a, a naive perspective, thinking about my hospital experiences or, or my experience with a general practitioner, boy, did I not know at all the depth and the kind of I, I don't even know the right word, but just the uh, amount of pieces and parts that go into mm -hmm. the way you approach your work and how diligent you are and how careful you are, how, how electronic medical records work and how you make sure that projects are assigned to the right people so that they get completed in the right way and sequencing out of all of the services needed for, for folks in your hospitals. I was just blown away. I, I mean, I really was because we, uh, you know, we think sometimes we have a little bit of logistic complexity here in our work, but uh, the, there were three of us from Feeding Tampa Bay and 40 BayCare folks. <laughs> yeah, it's um, sometimes we think it shouldn't be as complicated as it is, but certainly hospitals and healthcare settings are highly regulated and highly complex. But, um, you know, we, once we get it off the ground, we get it all figured out, it will be a tremendous asset. You know, I think, Matt, going back to some of your earlier comments about the community health needs assessment, you know, we did, we collectively, Feeding Tampa Bay and Big Here, we didn't just decide to do this. I mean, data really drove um, the development of this project, the, the patient population to focus on. I mentioned those with heart disease and heart failure. Um, data drove looking at people um, that have a lot of admissions that are kind of in and out of the hospital. So we're really trying to, you know, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that have food insecurity, but we, to start off, we really wanted to target for those that are most at risk where we could make the biggest difference early on, and then we can certainly grow from there. So because of all the great data, the community engagement, you know, that's how we've laid out our plan together why we decided, decided to start in Polk County and why we're gonna be screening patients a certain way so that we can really um, use our resources to their full potential early on. And then we can just grow from there. But I think it's important because if we didn't have that data to begin with, we didn't have that community engagement, um, I'm sure we would have done great work, but this is really more strategically driven. Yeah, it really is. And I think that's important to note because I think both you and I share a bias for action and we've been a little anxious about getting this going. Yeah. Um, but we really have followed uh, a very stringent process to make sure that this just isn't a feel-good project, that this is something that is targeted, that is the right intervention in the right place for the right people at the right time. Right. And you know, Shannon loves hearing that because she's the one who gets to go out there and tell our stories. And mm -hmm. uh, I know she's taking a look at the bags that we put together and 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 loves how, how it came together. Uh, this is the part when we start getting to aesthetics where I am of no use to anyone. So Shannon, would you like to describe kind of what it looks like and how we're going to to uh, put together those bags for the folks in, in Big Care's Care? So our bags are hand packed. So that's what something that I think is magical within our warehouse by volunteers. And you know, we're low salt, healthy choices and they're just going to have these wonderful meals available to them that they would normally struggle to get and also it's it, to us it's they have this wonderful relationship with baycare who's taking care of their health but it's an amazing introduction to feeding tampa bay as well because not only are they going to get this wonderful bag 
um, this helping hands bag, but they're going to be introduced to us um, if they don't know us already. So those pantries that are near them, uh, the fresh produce that, that could be available to them also as well. Um, it's just an amazing partnership and wonderful opportunity altogether. Yeah, and I, we, we, I know you guys talked about the delay. I was so excited when we were going to launch, and I think and it was just like the week before when everything started locking down due to COVID. It was like, oh man, like because we had everything ready to roll with the uh, meals to go and all that. But we're going to yeah. get there. I, you know, our 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 community benefit team, and you know, we're, it's just it's almost painful to have to delay so many of our personal and professional things in life that have all been delayed or canceled. And, um, we certainly know that uh, the food insecure individuals that we need to target in the hospitals, they haven't been delayed. If anything, it's been their right. need has, has grown. Um, but in a healthcare setting right now where we're at capacity and uh, across all of our hospitals, um, we have delayed elective surgeries. We are requesting emergency staff through the state of Florida and the federal government. It's a it's a balancing act for adding adding new pieces right. to the puzzle, um, and so um, we would have certainly I think everybody would have liked to have gotten started a little bit earlier. But um, in this really unprecedented environment, we needed to push it off. But I think I think August I'm fingers and toes crossed. August will be um, our launch date, and um, we'll be able to really really make it happen. Yeah, and I think it speaks to our partnership that despite all of the challenges that we have that are external to the healthcare system and all the challenges that you have that are very specific to the pandemic, we kept in contact, we kept putting one foot in front of another, and we we never walked away from the importance of the project that we have. Uh, and, you know, Shannon, you highlighted something that I think is I forget, and and I know I want to make sure that I say thank you to Carrie and her team because uh, this is a way for the folks who enter their world who are food insecure to be introduced to us. You know, it's a really important point that you made because the same data that tells us how important this is also told us that less than half of the folks who were surveyed who identified as food insecure had ever taken advantage of the food relief system. And so we know there's a giant unmet need out there. And we have really ramped up our work, but we know we are not, you know, solving hunger right now. We're not covering everything all and meeting all of the need in Tampa Bay. And largely, you know, we, we know a big piece of that comes from folks just not knowing about us or knowing how to engage with us and having the largest employer in the Bay Area put their stamp of approval on our work and put their logo next to ours and put our team inside their hospitals is a huge step forward for hungry folks in the Tampa Bay Area. We, we thank you and I know those that we serve are going to be so thankful as well uh, once this launches and it's yeah. so exciting. It's a true partnership. It is. There's one more project I want to make sure we talk a little bit about because this one's my favorite. And this one is really, it's, it's a little less on the response to data side, though it is a response to data, but it's more on the innovation side. Um, together with your community benefit team, we are in the process of launching one of the first in the nation uh, food prescription partnership programs that engage uh, a healthcare partnership as big as your, or a healthcare organization as big as yours and a food bank. 
Um, we are really excited about what this is going to look like when we get it going. Um, it's another casualty of the pandemic that our start date has been pushed back. But again, you know, we're staying in contact, we're planning out how we're gonna do it, we're making adjustments where needed. And within hopefully a short period of time, we will have food prescriptions being filled at your Bloomingdale Health Hub. Yeah, we're, we're really excited about it too. The, the Health Hub in Bloomingdale, which is many of your viewers probably know is in Hillsborough County, um, opened a couple of years ago and it's, it's such a cool place. I mean, it's really our next step of bringing outpatient services and health services all under one roof. Um, it's just a gorgeous facility and, you know, has everything from a veterinarian to your doctor's office to, you know, get tested or get sized up for your Fitbit to, I mean, they've just thought of, you know, how to streamline um, all those related services, health services in a way that is as efficient and customer friendly as possible. And so the idea that we could provide uh, food prescriptions to our identified patients that come through there, uh, is something we're excited. I mean, that's like a testing ground for us of um, where to try new innovative ideas. And this, as you described, I mean, this would be one of the first in the country. And we're really excited to launch it there at the Blooming Bloomingdale Health Hub. Yeah, it was just yesterday, actually, that uh, Lisa, who you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. and Kelly Brickfield, who will be talking to after uh, we end our conversation with you, and I were part of the first ever uh, food prescription program, um, medically tailored meal accelerator program. Right. So together our organizations uh, signed on to be in the first cohort of this medically tailored meal uh, accelerator. And it, it's really interesting. We found uh, yesterday listening to the organizations that are leading the, the charge that the vast majority of medically tailored meal work that's been done in the last 30 years has been specific to one disease and that's AIDS. Mm. And there are a lot of learnings over the last 30 years about how food is so impactful to folks, you know, living with that condition. Um, and now we are going to be the guinea pigs in a lot of ways for learning how to apply that to a much broader set of health conditions. Right. We're really excited about it and, and we appreciate your investment in it because it allowed uh, you know allowed for the partnership to move forward and and learn from those who have been doing it uh, what our what our next iteration might look like and how we can launch medically tailored meals together yeah and I think you know Matt the partnership is great because it brings Baycare has the clinical background we you know it, we know how to identify patients we know how to um, think about things around the clinical execution of them you all have the food experience. I mean, so we, neither one of us has everything. And so in bringing it all together to navigate some of these new opportunities, it really takes both of us. And um, I think, you know, you, your description of um, the Accelerator Project, Blooming, the Bloomingdale Health Hub prescription, uh, food prescription program, uh, you know, moving towards medically tailored meals to address uh customized medically tailored meals to address food conditions. I mean, this is how we really improve the community's health. And that fundamentally is Baycare's mission. And I know it's yours as well. Um, so there's just so much opportunity ahead of us. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, it's kind of a perfect way to bring the conversation back to where we started, which is we are you know, very similar organizations with very similar missions. 
and uh, it's great uh, to have you as partners. And we really appreciate all the time that you've given the, the work that your staff is doing alongside our staff and, uh, and your commitment to doing it with us. You're welcome. Glad to be part of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, for joining us on the show and for sharing all of your insights with us. And obviously for all of your partnership in the work that we do and helping to keep our community safe during a pandemic and regular daily life <laughs> so uh we look forward to all of the projects that we continue to work on with you and uh and hope that you stay safe and well and that your staff does too thanks uh thanks thanks matt and thank you shannon all right everybody thank you for sticking around for what the food bank where we dive a little bit more into the content from the first part of the show and invite one of our very own staffers kelly brickfield to the show how are you doing today kelly I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And do you want to start by just kind of telling our listeners, like, what is your role at Feeding Tampa Bay usually? Um, sure. Well, usually before COVID or usually now? <laughs> usually, let's say usually before COVID, yeah. <laughs> okay. So usually, usually before COVID, um, I'm the healthcare partnerships manager. And um, I came on board in November. And um, you know, did everything I could to immerse myself in food banking and in feeding Tampa Bay, and um, you know, partner with Matt to start working on um, a whole bunch of healthcare partnerships that we were set to launch in March and April, which um, you know then didn't happen. Um, we had our our very first healthcare partnership, FoodRx program, set to go on, I believe, March 19th. And mm -hmm. on Friday, uh, the week before, I called the partners. Hey, are we still in? What do you guys think? Yep, we're good. Monday, the following week. That week, every, everything changed. That was the weekend that for all of us, I think. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So then it was kind of a, okay, well, you're going to help with special projects on the team, which in about three days turned into full-time management of our, um, our COVID meal distribution program that we pretty much pulled together overnight um, to get meals out to housing facilities, mostly seniors, um, immunocompromised folks, just folks that really were kind of shut in and not really able to get out and go to the store and buy their own food. So um, our Trinity Cafe team, which I know you guys have talked about on previous shows, um, you know, the chef and the teams there just kicked it up and started producing meals in mass um, and freezing them. And um, yeah, we've, de we've delivered since March 26th, about 415,000 meals out into wow. our community. So, <laughs> so that's been fun. <laughs> I think that's across what six counties and 90 plus different partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been, it's been pretty wild. Um, and just, you know, super humbling too. you know, some of the letters and, and thank yous we've gotten back from folks have just been amazing. Um, some of them have been a little heartbreaking, you know, the one from um, a senior who wrote to thank us for delivering and ended her little note with, it's so nice to know that we haven't been forgotten. Yeah, and that one really tugged at my heart. Um, so, you know, we're still doing those deliveries, but, um, you know, we've hired some additional help. So I've been 
slowly working on um, healthcare partnerships again, and we're working towards launches um, coming up at starting next month, starting the first week of August and into September. Um, we've had to change some processes from what we thought we were going to do in March, just to you know kind of up the uh, the safety protocol for COVID and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, so I'm getting my my feet wet again and moving forward. I have to say, when we bring people on, we usually make sure we highlight that last bullet point of the job description <laughs> that says other duties as assigned. But this was you know, a little bit far. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, was a true. 180 to do things that you were not hired to do and that you built from scratch in a matter of hours. So, you know, the way you describe it is so underselling. <laughs> Wow, thank incredible you. incredible job that you've done to literally build one of our largest programs from scratch overnight. And, you know, we've had to coordinate an incredible variety of partners and funding streams. And, uh, you know, not only are we were we cooking meals in six different places, but we had, you know, seven different organizations wanting to help deliver, but they all had their own rules about when and how, and mm -hmm. you had to air traffic control all of that on the fly with no training. And so uh, it's really impressive the way that you've been able to build from scratch. And it's to, you know, why what we liked about you in the first place, why we <laughs> on for healthcare partnerships, because we knew, you know, in a much calmer way, <laughs> with many of the same things. Well, this is thank you. Um, but it wasn't done in a vacuum. I mean, you know, our partners, the the you know the rest of our programs team, um, the rest of the Feeding Tampa Bay team. Um, I mean, there's no way I couldn't have done it without amazing levels of collaboration um, and partnership from you know all levels of the organization. You know, from the drivers and the warehouse staff you know, all the way up to, to you and the rest of the executive team and Thomas. Um, it really was a team effort. Um, and knowing that we had the support everywhere and all over the organization made a huge difference. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think as challenging as these past several months have been, in some ways it sets us up really nicely for what we're about to get into with healthcare partnerships, because there are some of the same complications and many of the same complexities. Mm -hmm. We've had a dry run in in some of the most challenging environments we've ever had as an organization. So, you know, I, I would love to hear kind of your thoughts on how we're going to roll out these projects over the next few months and what you see is uh, what that might look like. Um, well, sure. It, well, you know, it, as as crazy as the last few months have been, um, it's been really nice. It was kind of um, baptism by fire into the inner workings of our organization. Um, so that's been great because it's really set me up, I think, for success um, in really knowing more than I ever could have learned just by meeting with people, um, you know, and really set me up to know how to do and how to orchestrate a lot of things that we'll need to do for all the healthcare partnerships. Um, so yeah, it's, we've got, um, you know, the Bay Care Partnership is really cool. Um, the thing I like about them is that we have three, four distinct um, 
different types of healthcare partnerships that we'll be working with them on, which is really kind of neat to be able to work with one partner on a whole bunch of different, really unrelated solutions. Um, and I think that's really kind of neat to be able to or work as an organization as large as they are and as you know encompassing as they are in our territory um, and just really be able to you know target those you know specific um, food insecure folks in the hospitals with the you know the healing food bags um, to start working on those home health deliveries um, and that's probably where you know the COVID experience and the program that we that we put together there that's that's going to almost be seamless because that's we were doing that with covid so we've got that um we've got that pretty much down um we have a, a food rx program with their bloomingdale health hub that's coming on board hopefully in september um and so that'll be you know we'll do food rx with them and you know we've been talking uh, medically tailored meals um, pilot with them as well so um, it's just, it's really cool, I think, to be able to, to spread our wings in so many different ways with just one partner. Um, I think that gives us a really neat way to be able to collect information and see which ones are the most effective um, and know that it's all coming from the same organization. So it's, you know, the kind of the same set of, of um, you know, data and reporting. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, but then, you know, we're working with Community Health Centers of Pinellas. We should be up and running by September 1st with them um, in their Lelman location, which is an underserved location. It's a food desert down there. So we're going to bring groceries on the go um, into that one. So that will be exciting. Um, we have Tampa Family Health Centers that we're looking to launch on August 19th. Um, which is, if I'm not mistaken, Matt, isn't that um, like federally qualified health center week or something? I think so. Yeah, I think it, when when we did get delayed, we ended up with an opportunity to tell a really cool story for them during the time when uh, you know otherwise people wouldn't don't necessarily pay attention to the incredible hard work that federally qualified health centers do every day in the community because it's gritty work and it's not uh, glamorous. It's not high profile. Uh, and so this is the one time where they get to kind of shout from the rooftops how great they are. And they invited us into it and they thought it would be great to launch with us during that time. So it says a lot about the groundwork that you laid with that partnership that they said, hey, we want to invite Feeding Tampa Bay into our week. Yeah. So, um, and then the, the other one in the hopper is Tampa General Hospital at their health park, um, up kind of on the outs, not quite Temple Terrace, but, um, up that way a little bit. Um, and we'll, you know, we had to tweak that one. Um, we've had to tweak them all just to, you know, we've unfortunately had to pull back a little bit on client choice from some of the food selections because, you know, dealing with health clinics, um, they really want to eliminate, people touching the food and people being in the building as much as possible. So we're going to prepack um, the food offerings, at least for the first couple of months um, for these partnerships, just until we're at a point where hopefully things start opening up a little bit and get a little more comfortable. And then we'll go back to that all important client choice, um, you know, principle that we love to live by, be able to let them come in and choose their own foods. You know, and, and that's something that um, I think for people on the outside uh, to kind of clarify, like, 
even though the clients aren't getting to pick their own food, like the stuff that's in them is still so delicious and varied. And one thing that we actually were hoping that you could kind of paint a picture for us, Kelly, was like, we talked a little bit about the, um, the healing bags that mm-hmm. we were sharing uh, with Baycare. And, and we, you know, wanted to kind of give the listeners uh, some insight into what goes into these bags that we are providing to the, uh, to the patients. So um, it's well, and it and it aligns really with um, across all of the healthcare partnerships. So all of the food that we're providing across all of the partnerships is going to come out of this same kind of standard subset of healthier foods. So um, you know, for the non-perishable foods, it's all things like you know whole grain, so whole grain low sugar cereals, um, you know whole grain pastas. Um, things like whole wheat crackers um, and then we've got you know in the canned vegetables they'll all be low or no sodium um, the canned fruit will all be um, packed in water or juice you know not in light or heavy syrup um, you know same thing with canned meat so we've got tuna and canned chicken that's packed in water and not oil um, so just a lot of those kinds of basic healthier type options um, We've got oatmeal in there. I'm trying to think. I'm doing the list off the top of my head. So um, I think that's, oh, and, you know, of course, some peanut butter in there, too, just because, you know, um, I I worked with a dietitian at one of the um, hospital partners we have um, to try to come up with the right balance, right? Because healthy doesn't just have to mean, you know, you can't have peanut butter every once in a while, Um, you know, so there'll be peanut butter in there. Um, So... Um, I think, yeah, I think for the most part, that's it. And then with the, um, with the food RX partners, we'll be adding a little more, oh, beans. There's always beans. So, you know, black beans, kidney beans, that kind of thing. Um, and then we'll be adding fresh produce to the, to the food RX partners when we get those up and running. Um, and that just adds an additional, you know, just some additional healthy, Um, options for people. Um, And then we're working on, you know, just some support materials that will go in with them, Um, you know, just kind of a little grid for, you know, like the my plate grid that sort of shows, you know, here's what your healthy plate should look like. Here's some recommendations, Um, you know, because for a lot of these folks, you know, the whole concept of eating healthy could very well be a very new, um, a new idea to them. And they, you know, may have grown up on the dollar menu and, um, you know, this may all be new and different to them. Well, and also maybe about affording it as well. So it's sometimes, unfortunately, in our culture right now, it's it's much more expensive to eat healthier. Um, so I think this is going to be a great opportunity for everyone that we serve so it, in this part, these medical partnerships. So I have a question for you. Also, you talked about the meals that we delivered, and I know we've mm-hmm. talked about this in other podcasts, but can you describe that a little bit, what's been delivered to the seniors and now what will go to those that are home with COVID? Sure. Um, so Trinity Cafe, you know, which is our full service restaurant that um, in regular times <laughs> offers meals in a restaurant atmosphere where folks can come in and be served a meal with um, with dignity, just as if they're in a restaurant out in the world. Um, you know, right now that that model has changed a little bit, too. And that's, a, a you know, take your meal on the go. Um, right. So our chef, Uh, has developed this whole array of menus. I believe there's about a dozen um, that he and his team are producing, you know, kind of mass producing um, and packaging in to-go packages. Um, And they're all, you know, they're beautiful meals. They're 
Um, it's amazing what he can do with um, with such a limited budget. Um, but you know, you've got you've almost always got you know a protein and your vegetables and a grain. Um, you know, some of them are. But there were some that came through last week that I saw coming into the freezer. I think Matt, you were back there with me with the chicken and the brie and the apples. Oh. I was like, darn! <laughs> I haven't seen, haven't seen this one before. <laughs> Daniel's a rock star. Yeah. Um, sure. I've been very many you know, times so the, tempted oh. to grab something in one of our freezers and take it home. Uh, but that was certainly the case. I looked at chicken, apple, brie, and said, you know, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that you, Kelly, I, I know I appreciate about what you do is that every Thursday you make sure you go out and in person do some of the meal delivery, uh, connecting with our mission, but also it gives you some great feedback. It's really fun to be there and listen to some of our uh, our guests, yeah. which is their favorite meal. You know, oh, I really love the one with the sausage and peppers. But <laughs> Actually, it's, um, it's really funny. There's a gentleman who comes through um, that meal distribution on Thursday afternoons with his family and every week he asks if there is spaghetti and meatballs in the bags uh -huh. um and so our our driver who picks up all the meals for us and brings them to the warehouse he has been um texting my teammate and i every day to say here's how many i'm bringing and then he typically takes a picture of here's the meal i picked up today so one of today's texts was spaghetti and meatballs. So I texted my my teammate back and I'm like, hey, can you please set some of these aside so that when I'm out there again next Thursday and this guy comes through, I can give him a couple of bags of his spaghetti and meatballs that Aww. he's been asking for for weeks. So, so yeah. That's how you're the best. Aw. Honestly. Honestly. Um, in our house, outside of our house, you think of those that we serve, and you're putting it aside for him. Kel, you're the best. Seriously. Well, it's it's you know it's fun. It's the gratitude that we've heard from all the folks in those distributions has been truly amazing, um, and they're so grateful and they love the meals. I mean, at the end of the day, they absolutely love the meals. So those are the same meals that we'll be delivering to those. Um, COVID uh, quarantined home health patients. Um, so I'm sure they'll be loving them as well. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting that up and running. And in fact, as part of the um, food prescription process, we're going to make sure that one of the choices available to those receiving prescriptions are some of those prepared meals as well. So that'll be, uh, it'll be a really nice addition to healthy groceries um, to have, you know, an executive chef preparing a couple meals a week for you is, is a pretty good side benefit. Yeah. Phase two though, Matt. <laughs> Let me get phase one out the door first. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, you know. <laughs> you know me, I'm always jumping ahead. Right? Planning the next way to torture you and, and, you know, shoehorn something into your job description that probably <laughs> wasn't initially there. Yeah. Yeah, that whole other other duties as assigned. Um, I think I got that down now. <laughs> I lean heavily on. <laughs> All right, Kelly, and thank you so much for for joining us on What the Food Bank. Is there anything else you want to add or share with us that we forgot to ask you? 
Um, actually, just maybe one other really um, kind of interesting thing, just in terms of where I came from and, and where I am now. So my my previous um, career was in um, weight loss industry, and it was um, it was very apparent, you know, from from some of the folks that I've worked with over the years, how just changes in their diet could have significant impact on their health. You know, when people come in and they're just kind of eating whatever they want, and then all of a sudden they start eating healthier, they start eating more balanced. You know, you have folks, um, I routinely saw folks with type 2 diabetes reducing or eliminating their medication. I saw people reducing blood pressure medication or coming off it. Um, and, you know, those weren't just once in a while things. Those were regular occurrences with people. Um, and so it's really cool to be able to kind of bring that experience into our food insecure neighbors and help them recognize the power that food has to help them be better, help them feel better, help them be healthier, really help them realize that um, food is so tied to health. Perfectly said, Kelly, thank you. Yep. And on that, bye -bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank bye you guys. so much for your insights, Kelly. <laughs> You're welcome, see you soon. Bye. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Feeding Tampa Bay.